Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AG Chase Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, where we celebrate every single day the amazing people who are making coastal Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. Um, I really appreciate you joining us on uh, the Super Talk Gulf Coast Channel 103.1. But if you're listening on Facebook or YouTube or your favorite podcast, again, we really appreciate you engaging with this show. So many of our shows are timeless. Uh, they're just great lessons about what it takes to build a great community. So we, we love talking to people from you know, elected officials, governmental officials, uh, non-governmental people, people who are involved as as rest, as uh, as volunteers in the community. Uh, I love talking to entrepreneurs. We're going to be talking with one here shortly in just a second. Uh, and from time to time, we actually get a chance to reach pretty far out. Like uh, like for example, yesterday's show where I had Laura Jackson on from Ukraine. Laura is a uh, Laurie is a, uh, a independent missionary. She's been in Ukraine since uh, 2014. And uh, she had a chance to, to get out, actually, and she chose to stay. And uh, since our conversation, she sent me a few more photos. She lived on the west bank of the river, right, right out, right, and actually the, the key city, city limits, but just outside of town in an apartment there. And uh, a few uh, days ago, sort of escaped to western uh, Ukraine. And uh, she, the picture she sent me was of uh, family members kind of taking their fi- final photo together as the men and, and young sons in the family stay in the country while the, uh, the women and the ch- children go on across over into, uh, in this particular case, Poland. Now, people are crossing into other countries, but the majority, vast majority of the, um, the, the, the people who are escaping Ukraine are actually going into Poland. And uh, she's there just helping those families. She mentioned to me, actually, after after we got done with our conversation, that she had this dream about, <clears throat> excuse me, getting some buses or some vans so she could help people who were who were working their way toward the Poland uh, border, help them make their way there. And uh, her thought was to have uh, one van. And within, say, a 24-hour period, they'd already located three vans, and uh, they they were hoping to get another van. I don't have. I don't. It's interesting when you have these like independent pop-up efforts. What I call these, the thousand points of light. Somebody just meeting a need in the community. I talk about that happening here in coastal Mississippi all the time in normal circumstances. Certainly after hurricanes, et cetera. But in in Laurie Jackson's case, that's what she's doing inside Ukraine today. And I, you know, you can go back and listen to the conversation. You can see it at YouTube or our Facebook uh, page. But what I what I want to bring your attention to is what she said is the reason why she stayed in the Ukraine for so long. The way she describes Ukrainians and their love of their country, their love of independence, their love of each other, and their spirit. And I couldn't help but think about coastal Mississippians and our spirit. And uh, what would it be like if we were under siege in the way that uh, they are, Ukrainians are, at this moment? It's just sad. I can't get it out of my head, to be quite honest with you. But I'm really privileged to have this opportunity to know Laurie. Uh, my cousin's daughter, Michelle Tice, introduced us. Michelle actually has has adopted two kids from Europe, and one of her sons came from Eastern Europe, and, and Laurie was actually there 
2014 when the uh, when the uh, war started with with Russia, and uh, and my, of course my my uh, my uh, cousin's daughter Michelle uh, uh, adopted one of her sons, and that's how they got to know, she got to know Laurie, who I, I said was there since 2014 initially, but I, I actually it's 2006, right after Hurricane Katrina, is when she w- moved over to Ukraine from Tallahassee. But it was a very compelling conversation. She and I are going to be checking in every week or two and just see how things are going so we can really stay in tune with what's happening there. And uh, again, I know it's, all, it's on all of our minds. It's certainly on my mind. And, and and we'll stay in touch with Laurie. I'm actually reaching out to a few others that are in Ukraine as well and hope to have communication with them too. But it's they feel like us. They feel like coastal Mississippians uh, when you really get a sense to see how much they love their place. Anyway, with all all that said, we'll we'll move on now. I want to welcome uh, someone who's been on the show before, and someone I really enjoyed spending time with. But it's Jordan Nico. He runs the uh, Nico Restaurant Group, and they've done some amazing investments all across coastal Mississippi. We'll remind you what those things are. But uh, before we go any further, let me say good morning to you, uh, Jordan. How are you? Doing well. Good morning, Ricky. It's good to see you. Hey, listen, I went back and checked. And when you and your brother Field were on our show, it that video got viewed thousands of times and shared a bunch. <clears throat> so either you have a lot of friends <laughs> or there are a lot of people who are very interested in what you, you guys are up to these days. I think it's a little bit of both, frankly. But you, you do have a lot of friends up and down the coast, don't you? We do. We we're very, very fortunate in that. And uh, so one of the things that we're going to do, just so that people have an understanding of this, we'll kind of relay the foundation for what the restaurant, Nico Restaurant Group is, uh, some of what their developments are, and some of what what they're working on today, which is really important. And uh, But before we go any further, let me just say, why don't you remind people sort of the foundation of your organization, sort of what your footprint is there here along coastal Mississippi? Uh, we own restaurants from Bay St. Louis to Ocean Springs. Uh, we have a uh, uh, Fields Steak and Oyster Bar in Bay St. Louis, uh, Bacchus on the Beach in Pass Christian, Built with Bilt's Pass Christian, Hotel pa- Hotel Pass Christian, and um, the, the the newest restaurant we actually have opened called the Deck, which which opened up uh, in October of last year. And then we have in Biloxi, uh, Philip Billups in, in Biloxi. We have a new Fields Steak and Oyster Bar that we're hoping to open sometime in mid-April. Uh, and then in Ocean Springs, we have Chard and Rooftop. Wow. But what I know about you is that I don't know when you sleep, frankly, and we'll come back to that in a second because you're a man who is just constantly figuring out what other marks can you make in coastal Mississippi? Where are great investment opportunities? You've gone beyond restaurants now. You Obviously, you mentioned the hotels. You're, you're wanting to do mixed use and all kinds of stuff. What's driving you? What's what's the goal of, of Nico Restaurant Group? It's, you actually should change the name to Hospitality Group, but anyway, go go ahead. What's, what's driving you? Uh, so, so- I actually grew up in New Orleans when I was younger. My family and I moved over here when, when we were uh, when I was a freshman in high school, and then I actually ended up going back back to college in New Orleans. And one thing that I, you know, a lot of my friends 
from when I was younger have left the area, and because there were there were certain deficiencies in the area, things that we didn't have that that we were that, that we needed, and so my goal has always been to bring as many things as I can from outside of Mississippi that Mississippi that doesn't have, and bring it to the area. And so what I look for is I look for things that are missing in certain areas, and I try to fill those voids. You can you can call them, and and, and help make our area better. Would you you have? I mean, is it in your mind? What this assessment is, or do you have a, a, a scorecard that you go by, a checklist that you go by? How do you decide what's missing? Well, we decide first. We do, we always talk to the city leaders and, and kind of see what, what what they want. And so, whenever we look at a project, we, we we kind of look at the project, talk to the, the city leaders, and figure out is this a viable project? Is it something that the city wants? And is it something that is needed in the area? And from 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 there, we from there we once we figure out yes, this is something the city wants, this is something that's needed in the area. We start looking for locations and 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 view and and venues and and we we uh, we find the area and we and we start de- developing it. And our goal is always to to start off with with one thing in an area and then in that area kind of blow up as many things as we can in the, in the walking distance in that area because we find that especially with housing and restaurants they're they're all symbiotic so they're so pe- people live there they eat there they might play there they work there and the more you get people walking around in a certain area the better that does for that city and for that area to develop well what's what's cool about that and and for regular listeners you know this but if you're sort of listening to coast view for the first time What's happened is that the the whole notion of economic development has changed pretty dramatically over the last few years, and it's going to continue to change as we go forward. There's a lot of reasons for that. And just in a nutshell, in the in the old days, and I say the old days because they certainly are still doing this. You know, they were there were a lot of industrial customers that were pursued, and they wanted them to come back and you know locate their headquarters in your place, or maybe you wanted them to to, to locate a factory or some kind of uh, some kind of office or regional office or whatever it might be, but they were looking for some kind of brick and mortar investment in your community, and a lot of efforts went into that. They were giving, you know, a lot of financial incentives and all kinds of things to bring jobs to your community. In the new economy, it, the new economy is really about serving what is called the creative class. So this is a large number of people who can work remotely. It could be architects and planners. It could be, uh, you know, graphic designers, copywriters, writers. I mean, the list the list of of people in that category are very very long, but they can live anywhere. And so I think one of the one of the ways that we can we can battle brain drain, which is what you're concerned about, Jordan, is by building the kind of places where people would want to live and as as one of my friends from up at Mississippi State says build a place where someone can find a spouse and think if you think about that it's pretty that's a pretty good way to way to say it when we come back we'll continue the conversation about how continuing to build these ultimate these these various dimensions of a community help create a sense of place that I talked about the last time that Jordan and and, and, uh, and his brother and I got together and it will cause people to want to stay here or move here we'll be back after this break Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Uh, welcome back to Coast View. I have Jordan Nico from Nico Restaurant Group. And when we went to break, we were talking about sort of the difference between the old economy and sort of the new economy. That that Jordan and, and his brother Field and others in his company are really focused on impacting. Um, I noticed the other day there was a great headline, Jordan, and it said, and this is uh, in the Sun Herald, uh, Mississippi's only statewide elected millennial wants to fight brain drain, and here's how. And um, and he said that um, that Mississippi is losing young people faster than most other places. Uh, and it's time that we do something about it. And it's Shad White, the state auditor, and he's just really, really focused on it. It's a great story, incidentally. But uh, but he, you know, he says it's time for us to quit talking about it and do something about it. You get it, though. What, what is it that caused you to get it? And did you just sort of look inside yourself and the friends that surrounded you and see what is it that was taking them away or what is it that they love most about here? Um, what's your thoughts on that? No, I have. Uh, and, and honestly, it was from growing up when I, when I was younger and watching some of my friends move away and see and, and, and talking to them from from high school. I um, went to St. Stanislaus and watching and talking to them and seeing what was driving them to kind of leave the area or or, or go to Atlanta or Austin or Colorado and and, and to see what see what was driving that 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 area and. One of the things was, was that was that one was obviously a higher paying job. The other thing was that there was more things to do and more downtown living, more apartments. And so as I went and visited them and visited other of my family outside, I, I saw voids here that I, I believe were opportunities as well. And and I think that the people here want to be able to do the same things that everyone else is. We just don't have the, the, the amenities yet. But I think that that's what makes this Gulf Coast so amazing is that we really are one of the last opportunities in the country to be able to develop on the water and and bring people and give it to give it to the people to be able to, to create a better area. And um, yeah, no, no, that's good. Go ahead, and you finish your thought. No, so and actually getting that back to Chad White's comments on Harold. So whenever the BP money came out, I truthfully believe the best use for a lot of that money would be to create instead instead of doing. Because we're never going to have the Amazons or the, or, or the big, I mean, we have some of them, we're never going to have the, the big headquarters. But the best way to, to utilize, I think, a lot of that money would be to, to create these mini loans and, and have them almost be like forgiveness loans, similar to the PPP loans, where they're $50,000 micro loans, $100,000 micro loans for, for graduates of, of our universities or for people who want to make an investment into the area and, and letting say, say, hey, listen, you know, you're 21. You're 22. You, you have, you're you're graduating from 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 Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Southern Miss, uh, JD, uh, MGCCC. You know you've been offered an opportunity to make a certain amount of money in Austin, Atlanta, one of these bigger cities, Baton Rouge, whatnot. But we we don't have the opportunities for you to do that. But what we do have the opportunities for you is to go ahead and make your own business, make your own. Um, in, uh, investment into the area and, and we'll go ahead you, you write a business plan you, you meet these certain criterias and we'll give you a, a micro loan fifty thousand hundred thousand dollars to be able to do that and if you meet certain criterias and you have this open for three or four years then we'll forgive the loan after five years i think that's a great idea jordan and i think that i think the point is that I think what you're trying to describe is that one idea that involves how to use the Coast Restoration Funds 
in a way. I think we've got like 14 more years yeah. of, of distributing money. So we, I think we've gone through three rounds. I think we've improved somewhat the kind of projects that we're funding. But I, th- I really think, and as Paige, Paige Roberts, the president and CEO of the Jackson County Chamber, and I discussed last week, we're struggling with defining what transformation means. If you go read the, if you go read the bill which I have in quite detail, <clears throat> what you'll see is that they tried to describe it, or they did describe it, that the money that comes from BT, these are not tax dollars, Jordan. These are This is money that came to us from BP as a result of the spill. We had to fight for, you know, uh, for, you know, three quarters of it to be spent on the coast of Mississippi. That's really unfortunate, actually, because the, 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 it hit here. But the legislature said, okay, we'll let three quarters of the money go to coastal Mississippi. We're going to set up this advisory committee. We're going to score the project, which I think scoring the project is a good idea because what it does is if we can continue to sort of tweak the scoring, it helps us better define what transformational really is. Um, Okay, so what they did is they're going to set this thing up as an advisory committee. And so what that then did is it created this like this little window where legislators could go around the committee and and what's happened with the Coast Restoration Fund, to some extent, is it's become kind of a political football. You know, they can they're just dispersing a little bit over here and a little bit over there. Sometimes it's building a municipal building. Sometimes, if you look at the if you look at the description, I don't really know what it is. I mean, it's kind of going back to a city for economic development. They haven't even defined what it is. We haven't done a good job, generally speaking, of defining what transformation really means. And we need to bring that conversation back because the reality is it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. I talk about it a lot, but the average person doesn't talk about it. And we need to get better at understanding how we can better use that money. And, uh, and you know, until we do, we may, we may go over the next 14 years and just continue to use that money as a political football. And we'll look back in 15 years and say, whoa, man, did we screw this up? Yeah, we 20% of the projects were transformational or great ideas or whatever. But 80% of them were, you know, building buildings where they could have got money from other sources. And now we missed an opportunity. That's your concern as well, isn't it? It, well, it is. I mean, I, 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 and I, I, mean, I love doing transformation process. I, I, I see the coast starting to, 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 to transform, and it really is awesome with what's happening here. I mean, it really is a really cool thing that, that, that I'm a part of, and, and that I and I really enjoy being be a part of. It. It's really awesome to be being able. To, I mean, talking to, to Ivan Spinner about all that he's doing in the area. I yeah. mean, it, it really is awesome watching people, other people to come in there and do it, and I love being a part of it as well. Well, look, here's here's what I do know, and certainly my years at the Sun-Herald and working in other communities, that the kind of people that have the resources to invest in your community, those kind of people are not, they're few and far between. We're not, you know, it's not like, you know, we could call a meeting today and we'd fill up the Coliseum with people who have millions of dollars to invest. That's not the way this works. So the few people that we have that are willing to invest we should identify who they are, find out what their projects are. And I'm still talking specifically about the BP money, but it can go further than that. Mm-hmm. And we got to say, okay, how can we help make projects work by the state through the BP money, which is not tax money again. The state through the BP money can help make projects work that otherwise may not have worked. 
How can the state be a partner in creating a sense of place? And you're right. I mean, this is something we talked about after Hurricane Katrina in great detail, and that is this whole notion of, you know, uh, of uh, walkable communities. And, you know, you look at what's happened to the price of real estate, you know this better than most in places like Bay St. Louis and Ocean Springs. Bay St. Louis, I think the cost per square foot is highest in the entire state of Mississippi now. Ocean Springs probably in the top three now. But um, you see what's happening in downtown Pascagoula. I know that you've spent some time understanding what's happening in Pascagoula, the the um, development of a historic district, the number of mixed-use developers that are starting to pour into downtown, um, what's happening in downtown Biloxi, which I think is absolutely a diamond getting ready to be cut in, in Biloxi because, you know, you've got this this old town scene and all of these people coming to the communities, incredible restaurants. And what we need more of is is housing. We need more more really first class, um, you know, uh, uh, apartments and townhouses and living downtown. And you you know that better than most, don't you? Oh, no, I do. And, and, and Pascua, you know, we have two projects going on right right now over there. And, and uh, that, that city and the economic board that Pedro Alvarez has is a part of it has done the best part of being able to give incentives, I think, to to developers that, than any other part of the, of the Gulf Coast that I've seen so far. And really, I mean, that their model, I like to say this, but should be copied by, by, by other cities and adopted all, all throughout the area. Donovan Scruggs and Paige Roberts, I mean, they, they've done a they've done a really really terrific job. Michael, so the, the whole the whole city council they've done a really awesome job, and we're, and we're doing a mixed use development there, and the two of them, and we started we started one next week, I think, actually, and the other one, uh, I think, about three or four months. So yeah, I, I mean, if you're able to talk more specifically about those, I'd love to hear more about it. But let's before we do that, I say this all the time on the show. I have Paige regularly on the show, and what I say about Paige is the role the chamber is playing is not your traditional chamber role. I mean, you know, they certainly are interested in business and business issues, but what she is and what her what her board is enabling her and what they're enabling themselves to do is really foster sort of an atmosphere of of community building. And the way she works with Mayor Willis, the, mayor, the way she works with the mayor of, of Moss Point and the mayor of Gautier and to some extent even in Gautier, in, in Ocean Springs, um, it's, it's really about community building. It's about finding ways to make it better for you, helping you find where you can do business and then helping you sort of work your way through the, the steps. Because, you know, it's, it is true. There's so many different parties involved in a development project and any one of them can slow something down and that can be awfully frustrating for someone like you can it it really can be there are other cities where it does get slowed down and you 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 have all these rules that come into play that basically the city officials and it's not the fault that the council have passed all these zoning variations and they have all these different ordinances that unfortunately make it so hard for us to do anything that we just can't that our hands get tied, we don't walk away from the project. Yeah, well, I want to hear specifically about the projects you're working on there. And I want to mention something to you that I learned from Andreas Juani when he was in coastal Mississippi, the father of new urbanism after Hurricane Katrina, that speaks to this notion of zoning laws and, and how that all works and building codes, etc. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Jordan Nico from the Nico Restaurant Group. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. 
And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. I have Jordan Nico from the Nico Restaurant Group. And when we went to break, he was just talking about how it's not like really anyone's fault. <laughs> but the truth is that zoning ordinances and building codes, which as Andreas Duani taught me after Hurricane Katrina, is where the magic is in building a great community, that they say it's serendipity. You, you know, we have one code or change is made over here and one change is made over there. And before long, you've got this mismatch that's kind of hard to work through. And uh, what he was really advocating, it didn't come to bear. But one of the things he was advocating is a common building code and zoning approach across coastal Mississippi so that when you're when a, when a developer is developing in Pascagoula, he can go to Bay St. Louis and they're speaking the same language. They, they may not be identical because each community is going to be sort of different in that regard. But uh, but it would help if they would just streamline the process and go through the, the difficult process of just saying, defining what their sense of place is going to be and then having the codes and zoning ordinance to sort of support that. Um, so in communities where it still may be a mismatch, when you've got people inside that community, like you mentioned about Pascagoula, who are helping you sort of navigate through that, it makes it easier for a developer when you have that kind of everyone's on the same page approach, doesn't it? It, it really does. And uh, honestly, um, I'm saying, it, being able to understand the codes, understand what you need to do to, to comply with the codes, and, the, and, the, and it's really, really beneficial. But you're right. When you go to one city, it's very easy, and the codes are very awesome in one. And you go to the other city, and the codes are, are more difficult. It makes it very hard. It makes you not want to work in the, in the cities where the codes are, are more difficult because why, why would you? You can, you can go to cities where, where it's easier. You also have uh, you have building uh, code departments or enforcers that are different from town to town. Some have enough resources. Most don't. That makes it difficult. Um, sometimes it dep- depends on the personality of the person involved. That makes it difficult. I've heard it all over oh, yeah. a long, a long period of time. But uh, you know, I, I appreciate people like you, Jordan, is willing to kind of hang in there because obviously you've done business with just about every city along the coast. What are the projects that you're doing in Pasadena? So we are doing uh, a product on Delmas in the historic district you were talking about earlier. And it's a really neat product. Basically, we, 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 we bought a building on there and we're doing uh, four apartments, two bedrooms, uh, apartments, and um, two mixed, two uh, retail areas on the, on the front. I mean, we actually already have tenants that are looking at, at both of those spots. So it was a pretty easy, easy project and really fun. The city was really easy to work with and um, it was great. I mean, when they actually got to the point where I actually had never actually been to Pascagoula for a while and Mayor Willis, uh, Paige Roberts, and uh, Dane Maxwell actually had kept calling me to go down there and Paige really stayed on top of it. And so I ended up going down there one day and saw how, how amazing that that city had really had really come because from from the, from our area you really you really never thought about, oh you know is that destination i want to go hang out in pascagoula it was more of a hey we, we would go there we made a lot of a lot of jobs there are a lot of opportunities there but never really was an area where that i had thought about going downtown to hang out but it really what they're doing down there it's really changed that area to where it is somewhere where i, I would enjoy hanging out enjoy raising a family enjoy all the things that you, you were talking about earlier and it's really and i'm very happy to be a part of that a part of that yeah, the evolution of the restaurant scene that's happening there and the so many different mixed-use developers that have come in there and bought buildings and done I, I had the pleasure as well to walk around town with Paige and see 
uh, some finished products, others that were under construction. But, I mean, they're going to transform it. And if you think about Ingalls, you know, people think about Ingalls, blue collar and all that. But what's the, here's the deal. You've got, first of all, you've got very high-paying jobs in, there. And you have a big thing that's happening. Now, certainly the price of gas brings this into focus. Is that in the old days, people wanted to live out in the rural areas somewhere. But these days, they don't necessarily want to do that anymore. They want to live close to where they work. And, and where they live, they want to be able to go play a little bit, eat a little bit, so, you know, be able to be around other people that are like they are. And so the opportunity that, that, um, that Pascagoula has really grasped as other cities are beginning to do this as well, is defining their sense of place, creating the opportunity for developers to come in there and really transform the downtown. And it's happening. It's not something that's just some vision that's out there. It's happening. And I've talked to a number of the developers that are engaged in that. And, um, and you know, Pascagoula is going to be one of those cities to compete with. You know, what's funny is, so when we started our project in Delmas, I think there were probably about seven buildings that, that, that were still available. Um, and I think as of today, there's zero buildings available. They've all been bought up and they've all been restored or, or, or are in the process of being restored. And uh, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, it's really cool watching that whole thing happen. And then we actually, we're doing another project with, with the old Ice House where we're going to do a, a restaurant, a hotel development with um, a couple of other coffee shop and uh, some banks and everything else. So it, it's a really, it's a really neat part to be, to be to be a part of i'm really excited about it the, the old high I, I, ice house i saw that myself uh i think about the time you were kicking tires on it um what a cool situation that is it's a very cool situation um you know what i what i've heard about you is that when you come into town looking for property you don't let much grass grow yeah, I, I think part of the reason is what you just said. You know that if you don't move on this, you have an eye for what other developers might see as well, and you don't want to miss the opportunity. That's very true. I mean, I mean we, we go down there. And also, Pascagoula, if it makes sense, it makes sense. And, that, I mean, that, that, and that's, the, that, that's what makes sense. You have a city that's behind you. They're doing the incentives the correct way, and they're, and they're, they're, help, they're helping you with the incentives versus not helping you. It just makes sense. And that's what, so that's what we knew, that it would be a good project and be a fun project to go off on. I mean, and Pastor Christian's the same way. I mean, they, they've been great to work with us as well. Biloxi's the same way. We're, we, they've all been awesome. It's been, it's been a really awesome experience. Coming back to Biloxi for a second, um, boy, Biloxi, again, once again, opportunities galore. I mean, we think about the number of people that are there and okay. coming to that community. Um, how do you, what, when you talk about Biloxi's future, how do you think about it? How do I think about Biloxi's future? I mean, I, I think it's very interesting. Where it's another city where four years ago when we bought a couple of properties down there, there was for sale signs all over Biloxi. Now, I don't think there's a property in downtown Biloxi that's actually available for sale right now. And, and, I think as you get people living downtown, all the businesses there are going to start blowing up, and, and then and then you won't have a building available for lease after after that for a while. So I think it's going to be very interesting to watch the the transition of that city because it was inter interesting. You know, probably I'd say five six years ago when we first opened up uh, a, a restaurant down there, it was almost like a ghost town at nighttime. I mean, it was great. You you had your you, you know your business was there, and people and you got but you basically lived off of the casinos and it kind of like. People who come in town, they come at you and then go to the casinos and, and hang out or, or then come back, come back to your restaurant after casinos, maybe. Um, but that was kind of you lived and died through 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 them. And it's, it's interesting watching that transition happen now is where it's becoming a, a not saying a vital city, but more more of a city type thing. People walking around, hanging out, you know, you're having the whole downtown nature starting to to, to happen. It, it, was, it was really interesting is Josette's.
you know, we started that, that apartment complex and we should be, should be done by the end of this month and opening up and ready to go. And we're already all, almost leased out. And what's, what's, what's even more interesting is since we started the project, there's, there's at least four other apartments that the, the complexes that I know that are going down there that people, people have called me and asked me kind of what my experience was, what was working with the city? Did I enjoy it? You know, what, the, what was the rent rates I was getting and using me as comps for their own projects. And they're all coming down there and it's really awesome. And this, I was talking to actually Ivan about this this, this morning. You know, if we can get about a thousand hotel, a thousand apartments down there, a thousand people living in that area, it will change. That, that that city will be like like no other. It, 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 you're, you're right because of its proximity to the to the small craft harbor, to the casinos. Uh, I mean, it's truly remarkable. Ivan Spinner that you mentioned, Ivan, uh, bought the, the bank next to Nativity, and he's going to be doing uh, his development, the Bella, after his daughter. And, uh, you know, he continues to make investments all up and down the coast. And, you know, I mean, you know, and Ivan and I will spend some time on the show here soon what, where he goes in like that stretch on Pass Road. I mean, he just takes this little mismatch of buildings and suddenly you've got you got a little sense of place right there on Pass Road. I mean, he's just so focused on it. And he's now really focused on on bringing more tourism uh, opportunities, rentals uh, that, that, that tourists can come in and take. And, you know, you look at some of the developments he's done there, man, and they're just first class, first yep. class. I mean, he's you, you, that gives you more confidence to know that when you have Josettes and have transformed that building and spent the money you've done on that, to see someone like Ivan come in behind you and make, make his investment. Um, and you're right. If you bring, if you get a thousand hotels and, uh, excuse me, apartments, and you know that's going to happen uh, in downtown uh, Biloxi, Lord, I mean, there's no looking back, man. It's going to be one of the top cities to want to live in in this state of Mississippi. And people are going to come in from out of state to live there. Hmm. It's very true. It's going to be a, so. Uh, so you mentioned Josette's building. People know that really well. They can see it when they, you know, drive to downtown uh, Biloxi, see see where it is in the in the construction project phase. But uh, what else are you opening up in Biloxi, and what else are you thinking about? Um, so we're, we're actually opening up uh, a, a second Fields Steak and Oyster Bar, which is we have, we have a restaurant in uh, Bay St. Louis right now, and. Uh, so we're opening up a second one right now, and we're hoping middle April, and it's going right next to where Mary Mahoney's is. Yes. Very, very excited about it. Um, it's going to be a similar menu, and we have a really cool project. We're going, we're going ahead of there. Good. Is it still called Fields Flights? Well, it's actually called Field Fields Steak and Oyster Bar. So we're actually going to the same concept as over there, and uh, and it's going to be it's going to be really, really interesting. I mean, it's actually that building is really cool. And I can't wait for people to see what we actually did to it because it's, it's it's a really it doesn't look like the Mardi Gras Museum anymore in the inside at least and it's gonna be really awesome. So this is Jordan Nico. When we come back, uh, we're going to continue the conversation. I've got some questions for Jordan about success and how he approaches life. We'll see you after we, we get back from this break. You can also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have Jordan Nico from Nico Restaurant Group. And Jordan, it occurs to me that me and you and I could probably do a show a week 
for the next several weeks and uh, and still not run out of things to talk about. And, you know, one of the things I'm really conscious of is that when, when I'm dealing with someone like you who's invested in so many communities across the coast and we spent time talking about Pascual and Biloxi and, you know, you're going to leave somebody out. You're going to leave somebody out. But one of the things that I want to mention is that we're gifted in coastal Mississippi now because we have a collection of mayors across the coast that have done amazing things in their lives and then decided to come back and be the mayor. And that makes a difference when you're when you're when you're in your leadership role. Um, I mean, one is, for example, Pastor Christian. I mean, you, you've had the opportunity to work with the mayor, Pastor Christian, and I know you love that city. What, what's the latest there? Uh, so we have a the new restaurant which opened up. We have, we have we have a new development we're actually doing right now. And it's going to be 36 hotel rooms, um, two more restaurants, and four more retail. And uh, the, mayor, the mayor's been great. You know, uh, the, the, the board of aldermen—they've all been awesome, and 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 they've been really helpful and kind of letting us, once again, as you said earlier, make, making it to where developers can develop and, and helping us get helping us go around the zoning and building ordinances and make and make it to where the project works and is viable, which is to save the Code Islands. And, and Mayor Rafferty's been a really, really big supporter of us, and we really appreciate it. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit because I, I know people might be interested in some of these questions I'm about to ask. Well, the first one is, do you consider yourself a success? I consider myself a success. Um, I, I, mean, I, I think I've been very successful in, in, in the things that I have done. Uh, I'm not sure if, if, if you know, success, I think, means different things to everybody. So I think financially, I, I've done very well and I've been very fortunate in, in, in what I've done. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I've been successful. I think it's funny, if you had asked my parents this when, when I decided to, to, not be, to, to not be a doctor, and they, they would tell you that, that no, at that point in time, but I think now they're very happy with me. Uh, I know they are. And, and what's interesting about people like you, you know, and you're right, I, I see, I view you as successful myself, but there's so much yet to be done. You're only 32, right? Is that 32? Yeah, 32. <laughs> yeah, let that soak in for a second. But, um, but how much, how much more do you have left to do? Well, I mean, and that's, for, for, for me, it really is. There isn't a number. There isn't a goal thing. I get asked a lot, like, what, what is my goal? What is my goal? And I, I know, actually, as a successful, as a successful person, I'm supposed to have goals and be very goal-oriented. And honestly, what, what we actually look at, though, is we look at filling voids. And we look at saying, hey, we go to a certain area. There's an opportunity here. This is what's missing from this area, and this could make this area better. And that's really what I look 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 for is what can I do to help make this area better and it's another opportunity. And so... That's what I'm saying. So, so I mean, I'm not sure I'll, 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 I'll ever be done. I think I'll keep going and going and going until there's no more voids in Mississippi. Well, I, I love, I love the, I love the way you think about it. You know, entrepreneurship's not easy. We both know that. So it means you're, you're going to have, uh, you're going to setbacks along the way. Certainly, being in the restaurant business during the pandemic is nothing to, to cheer about for sure. And lots of challenges that you had to face there. But what do you? You seem calm to me. I know that you're not. And and people would have said that of me when I was running, you know, major major media companies. But um, but in a way, I kind of was. I mean, I had a lot going on in my life, but I was able to sort through it and keep things in perspective. How do you push through those difficult times? Uh, honestly, faith is, is, is a big thing. And uh, one of the things my, my, my father's taught me since, since I was young is that it all works out. You, there's, there's never a reason to stress. Just concentrate on the problem, figure out your problem and take them one by one. And eventually all the building blocks work out and, and believe and believe that in God and that, 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 that he, he, has, he has a plan and that it'll all work out based to his plan. If it's not meant to be right now, it's not meant to be, 
and it is meant to be it is meant to be your dad is Kent Nico, the CEO of uh, Memorial, and your mother's super active in the community. They're, you know, they, they set a great example for you, I know, and for your brother as well. Um, so when, when you think about um, getting a good night's sleep, what, what, what's a normal uh, number of hours for you at night? So I actually, I, I go to bed late, and then it, it's weird. I, I either have my wake up at 5.30 a.m. and I can't stop or, 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 I, or I wake up at, at 9. There's no real middle ground in there. It's kind of funny. Yeah, I'm, I go to bed early <laughs> and I get up early, really early. Uh, but although I will tell you that's changed now that I'm married because my, my, my wife's a, a doctor. And so she now has to get up at like 5.30 to 4.45 every morning. So I think I've gotten up a lot earlier now that, you know. Well, married. hey, remind us what kind of doctor she is. So she is an actual, she's an internal medicine resident, and she's actually starting her fellowship in hematology oncology, which is cancer and blood, at Tulane uh, this July. And so, oh, good for her! Congratulations to her, and it's been fun watching your your newlywed life together. Um, what keeps you up at night? What keeps you up at night? Um, the, the problems I haven't solved that they're during the during the day, and there's there's always some, and always, and right now the, the biggest one we we're having is staffing and. And, and, and employees because there's just there's, there's not enough of them to go around there's hey a, so when we, we're out of time man i wish we had more time but when we come back together again i want to talk about habits of successful people what do you think are personality traits of of, of a leader that you really respect who, who are the kind of people that you follow uh whose career inspire inspires you uh, I mean, there's so much more to talk about, but you know, Jordan, you're a, you're an inspiring young man, and I've really enjoyed our our, our opportunities to to visit, and uh, it can continue to to be to be excited about Coastal Mississippi. We need people like you, and we appreciate what you're doing. Thank you very much. I, thank you for having me. Show. I really appreciate it. It was fun. You bet. This has been Jordan Nico from the Nico Restaurant Group. Uh, thank you for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow. Yes, sir. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.